Before we get into this next episode of the Cannabis Diversity Report, I want to give a big thank you and shout out to my friends and sponsors from Forefront Ventures. You can visit their dispensaries, mission dispensaries in Illinois, Massachusetts, Michigan, Maryland, and Pennsylvania. What's going on, fam out there? It's your boy, Tahir Johnson, and we're back with another episode of the Cannabis Diversity Report. This week, I got my bro, Rico Lamit, in the building. Rico, what's going on, fam? What's happening, Ty? Did it? Up in the yo, place. Yo, yo. How you doing, man, brother? My man, Rico, is about to kick off something really big. Um, he's about to launch his company, Cannavision. Um, so people need to get ready for it. So I'm happy to have you here in the building for the announcement. Um, you know, tell 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 the people out there listening a little bit about Cannavision and then also yourself. How, you know, how'd you get in the industry? Because you got a long track record out here. Yeah, man. So, uh, so Cannavision is a decentralized media broadcast organization, hub and spoke network. So our hub is out here in Los Angeles, and um, we have several affiliates all across the globe. Uh, we're going to be launching tomorrow: um, Detroit, Newark, Connecticut and dc and we have 18 more in the u.s um that uh, spokes that'll be launched by the end of the year and it's all about transparency uh in media because since the pandemic started um a lot of people in the in the industry have been silenced and it's, it's whether it was by design or not is it's, it's a huge corporate takeover right now and uh we're not against corporations at all. We're not against big business. We're just all about showing the full picture. And we want to make sure that people have access to a platform where they can get their ideas out and they can get out um, uh, their initiatives and also issues. So um, we are not uh, narrators. We're, we're not um, uh, right wing or left wing or anything like that. Um, whenever there's a huge story in the cannabis industry, we go looking for the other side of that story, who was affected uh, both positively, negatively, and to get the community's response to what's going on. And uh, so my background, let me, let me give you the expedited version, man. Um, if you wanna see the full version, go check out my, uh, my, my TED talk. It's, uh, it's Man Behind the Mask, Three Times the Cannabis Saved My Life. And um, the last time it saved my life is when it got into the industry. I, I was uh, 10 years in corporate finance and I had a tumor in my throat. And luckily, it was benign. It was the first one in my family uh, to have a benign tumor. Everybody else uh, just died, uh, both sides. Um, whether or not it is fact that um, uh, cannabis uh, was the reason why mine was benign or not, I, I don't know. I didn't have the science at the time. I didn't have testing at that time. Um, I wasn't using it as treatment. I was just smoking <laughs> like all the time and consuming a lot of weed. But um, I just quit. 10 years corporate finance, I was on top of the world, uh, making a lot of money. Um, but on the other side of that, my wedding was a mess. Uh, my, you know, my, my marriage was a mess. Um, I was obese, uh, the adult acne, I was just stressed out all the time. And I quit, man, I was just done. And I got in and just haven't stopped since, man, four years in now. And uh, I helped um, uh, two companies go public, one actively and, and, and the other one um, just consulting. Uh, on the on the back end, and um, started two of my own companies, the Swab Life and CBD Sundays. The Swab Life was private parties and events for celebrities, pro athletes, and investors looking to get in the cannabis industry, but they don't 
they ain't about that sesh life. <laughs> and uh, CBD Sundays was um, meditation, yoga, massage upstairs, downstairs CBD infused brunch, Bahamas mimosas, and uh, it's franchised out six locations, three states. And as you can tell, that was shut down with the pandemic. Um, along the way, um, I launched Can I Gather Los Angeles out here um, in LA, and um, also Can I Gather um, Orange County. And um, that's when I really got deeper into the networking side of the industry. I was doing it behind the scenes when I was doing my parties and events, but I was, I was kind of a ghost in the room. People didn't know who I was. And Canada uh, Gather really um, brought me together with some people. And it also allowed me the opportunity as an activist um, to connect people at the bottom of the totem pole to the top and um, really to find a, a path around uh, government. And because I just didn't trust it. And then um, I started a, an organization that I ended up resigning from uh, because I found out that my partners were shady and they're ripping off um, uh, uh, the people we were supposed to be serving. And um, it just didn't sit right with me. I'm not about that. I'm all about, I'm a karma driven individual. I'm a money motivated, but karma driven. And I'm always gonna be like that. And I'm always gonna speak what's on my mind and I'm always gonna uh, be there for the people that are around me. So um, where we are right now, I started Cannavision uh, simply because uh, two things. Number one, when I was doing Cannagather Digital, first part of this, uh, the pandemic, all of my sponsorship money, all of my um, uh, uh, paid RSVPs were coming from emerging markets. I had no idea why. I didn't have a lot of contacts out there. Uh, shout out uh, to Kay Ford. He's the one who connected me with you in the hey, beginning. Okay. Yeah, well, Kev. And um, I wouldn't even have a relationship with him. I wouldn't have a relationship with you. I probably wouldn't on some um, uh, level because I strong believer the universe makes no mistakes that we often do. And uh, everything is meant to be, will be. Um, but it's given me access to different people in different places. And a lot of them look like me. And that was super refreshing to me that I don't really have to play that game of, oh, do I take it with these people or those people? Do I have to code switch? Because I don't have to do that anymore. And I and, and absolutely love it. So um, that's where the idea came from, um, reaching out to these emerging markets and finding out like what drives them and why they were doing what they were doing with me. And it was access. They needed access to a bigger stage. And um, why people in my own uh, region weren't paying for anything because hubris. Uh, people in the established markets, uh, California, Colorado, um, it, was, it was life right now. <laughs> Got a dog over here, a baby over there. Um, no. Yeah, in established markets, like, oh, I've already seen everything. I've already heard these stories before. And uh, we'll, we'll catch it on the replay. And um, so I was able to build something that satisfies both markets and uh, gives everybody a chance to uh, build their businesses, let them flourish, and uh, just connect with people who are vetted throughout the cannabis industry um, on all three sides, that's business, um, medical, and lifestyle. Absolutely. Man, and I felt so many things you said on a lot of different levels. Like, you know, like we always talk about, I came from finance too. Um, and even though I made a lot more money, man, my quality of life is is so much better now. Um, another thing that you said, I know you talked about a little bit about your experience at Canagather, 
and Canada Gather was actually the first cannabis event I ever attended. Um, they were super heavy out here on the East Coast. Like that first um, Canada Gather event I ever went to, I met Leo Bridgewater. Who yeah. else did I meet? I met Al Harrington. I, I met um, Mary Pryor. It was all types of people there. Jake and Nelson from um, Canada Cultural. Like it was so many people out there. Um, and you know, like a, like, like a lot of businesses, um, when COVID came, um, I mean, the company organization is not around anymore. Um, you know, what would you say is it that what went wrong, um, you know, that caused Canada Gather to kind of um, go defunct during COVID? And, um, you know, what did you learn from that situation and how does that impact like the way you make decisions going forward? Yeah, man, I'm always going to say this to the day that I die, man. Canada Gather uh, Digital on the digital side, we were going to shut down the company altogether because we're B2B face to face marketing. And um, knowing the baby girl was just right around the corner, I had taken a new position as head of growth at the company. And we had 18 markets. We were making a lot of money, like monthly, and everything got shut down. Like, like literally no revenue for the company. And I decided to, as a Hail Mary, take the company on my back. And um, uh, what I've been building uh, for myself, um, a video, um, a video podcasting, I do a lot of product placement, all that for the brands that I work with. Um, I've been building that for myself either way, which prepping for daddy, uh, daddy duty. And I just put the whole company on my platform and it worked, you know, in, in the beginning, um, our first um, uh, event was uh, March 17th. Like, we were the first ones in the can, excuse me, March 19th. Uh, we were the first ones in the cannabis industry to switch over from B2B face-to-face networking um, and do something online. Uh, we had 1,132 people on the first one, had over 2,000 on the second. And um, it was dope, man. Um, and so me and Josh, we got to politicking on that. And we were like, yo, let's just try to monetize this thing. And so my end of the bargain was to uh, carry the company flag you know, uh, weigh the flag, make sure that we stay relevant in all markets. And um, his job, I mean, he was supposed to raise money and we just didn't raise money. So it's like no love lost. There's no uh, animosity between us at all. Um, it's just, I had to move forward and 90 days, like unpaid. And I got a, I got a new baby. I got to contribute. So, you know, got to hustle. Absolutely. So that's, and that's when Cannavision came, uh, uh, came to mind. I'm like, yo, I'm going to start my own thing. It's going to be all about the people. It's going to be all bottom up and um, stepping outside of the matrix and uh, do, doing what I want, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And I, and I definitely understand that because as, as everyone knows here at NCIA, um, we're, we've mostly been an events-based company as well. A lot of our revenue came from our conferences and with COVID, there's there's no in-person gathering, so we've definitely had to shift to kind of going digital. And thankfully, um, outside of conferences, we have our membership revenue um, and like just such a, a reputation from being here for such a long time um, that we're still able, still here, able to be doing this. And you're right, y'all. We're definitely were like the first cannabis folks to have like a digital event, like out of everybody. And NCI CEO Aaron was on that joint too. Yes, yes, he was. And we couldn't, I, I got to reconnect with him because uh, both of the ones he was supposed to be on, he couldn't, uh, he had like bad connection or something. Yeah. He, could, he couldn't come through. And uh, yeah, we were, we were trying to just unite people. And that was my big initiative with Canada Gather Digital was to make sure not only were we diverse um, culturally, but also regionally 
because there's very, very different issues politically, agriculturally, um, and socially around this country. There's 50 states, and it, it, it's hard to ma- it's hard to manage that, man. And if you can imagine a federally illegal industry and you're a large organization trying to make sure that you're doing the right thing in every uh in every state and every region like you're gonna stumble and um it it is more apparent when i was able to bring people from uh, different uh, places in the country in the world actually we had um two guests from uh, jamaica we had uh, one from china and then uh, we also had one from uh, costa rica and uh, oh yeah and a couple from puerto rico that's that's america you know um so uh, you can really see what the world looked like um behind uh, green eyed lenses and it, it, it's beautiful man it is, the, the plant brings people together and um you can really do whatever you want to do in this industry as long as you let the data lead you Absolutely. And it is dope that right now, I kind of like the fact that we live in this decentralized world because everything is online, right? Like, and now you can connect with people all over in in ways you never would have been able to. Like right now on um, the Cannabis Diversity Report, I've got like listeners in like 15 countries, right? So just talk about like being able to reach people all over um, from the internet, man. Um, But like you said, like you have to really, it like to be in the cannabis industry so large, like you definitely have to have boots on the ground in certain regions in order to be successful. And I know you're deeply embedded in the industry there in LA. Oh, so yeah. could you talk a little bit about like what's going on in like the LA cannabis scene um, specifically? Could you shed a little bit of light on um, what's going on with the social equity programs? Um, and then even um, what, yeah, what needs to be done to fix it? Okay. Yeah, you bring the heat, man. I love, hey, man. I love it. I love it. I brought Gotta it with ask. you. You're reciprocating. All right, so LA industry, man, uh, or California even. So California being a warm state, I always uh, tease my homeboys on the East Coast. I'm from Virginia. I tease my homeboys in, in Chicago and I always like send them pictures of me on Christmas Day in shorts. <laughs> around, man, we pay the weather tax <laughs> out here. And um, it's the same thing as in, in, in the cannabis industry. We are events year round. so. Just a lot of ne- uh, uh, just, uh, negative stuff and a lot of changing of the, uh, of the guard has happened that nobody knows about. And, and a lot of these large organizations, large um, uh, media uh, uh, companies are just not covering these stories because they're not lucrative for them. And I really think like, like post George Floyd, we had like a great like a like, month like after that. And then white steer, the, the, the white tears stopped flowing, man. <laughs> yeah. the next thing? Yes, it, it, indeed, and and I hate being a, a a prophet. I have to like beat my chest a little bit here. Um, I actually got booed off stage, man, a couple of years ago uh, for saying that I don't. I, I love social equity. I love the the philosophy behind it. Uh, Virgil Grant, uh, the architect of social equity, is like one of my mentors in the industry. But I, I said like I don't think it's going to work. And people were like, oh, you don't. <laughs> You ain't one of us. <laughs> I was like, no. Like in California, there is no affirmative action. Um, number one. <laughs> number two, um, California decides to act like a country and not a state, so everything's bottom up, everything's municipality up. Uh, so you can't scale at that rate. So you literally do have to have, if you're plant touching, you have to have millions of dollars in order to stay solvent, or you're always raising 
capital and, and not really um, cultivating your company. And uh, number three, um, biggest of all, it's just a bad deal. Um, uh, if you're a large corp uh, corporation, so this is a phase, this is a, a social equity 1.0 that I'm talking about right now. We're going to talk about mm -hmm. two in a second. So it, it is a bad is a bad deal. So if you're a large company looking to incubate uh, for three years and you can't have majority uh, interest in this company, what would incentivize you? There's no tax incentive there, but what would incentivize you to actually do the right thing? and find somebody as well qualified that deserves that opportunity. Like if you are in, um, or if you're in the business world and you're a capitalist, I am, um, your job is to make money, right? Uh, make sure that you're making money, your company's making money, um, uh, your, your employees uh, are good in their standpoint, um, uh, they're happy. Um, you really can't do that if you know that somebody's just gonna jump ship after three years and they're going to use your training and they're going to become a competitor right now. So they're dangling that, that, I don't know if you can tell like, they're dangling the asshole carrot in front of uh, uh, the hardcore capitalists and they're making it, and they were making it hard from the beginning for qualified folks to actually get good funding sources that aren't predatory. And um, we had given them a, a real path to um, uh, business owning. So, Let's, let's talk about 2.0. Let's fast forward to 2.0, where we are right now. It's a mess, man. And it, it, they're trying to do stuff. DCR here in Los Angeles, the part, uh, Department of Cannabis Regulation, just doing stuff behind closed doors is very, very shady. Um, and it just doesn't help anybody. So about three months ago, they said that they were going to a huge, huge, huge uh, morality win um, with social equity. They said that through 2025, 200 more licenses are gonna be put out. And they're all gonna be social equity. About a month, a little month, uh, a little over a month ago, there was an accidental email or accidental change on the website saying that uh, um, uh, there's no cap on how many licenses one entity can hold. Accidental. Uh, 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 one of our, um, tipsters hit me up because <laughs> they knew people knew that I was working on some stuff, some secret stuff. And uh, they hit me up. They said, yo, did you hear about this? And I heard it from two other people. I was like, what's going on here? And their official response was, oh, that it was just a mistake on the, on, on the website. We all know it was a glitch. That happened two weeks ago. Like literally on a Wednesday night, in the middle of the night, they sent out an email. Um, they didn't text message people. Every single social equity um, um, applicant in uh, Los Angeles, they have a, a caseworker uh, um, dedicated to them. They didn't text them. They didn't call them. Email in the middle of the night. And it said that the cap is going to be lifted off of delivery. And here's why that is such a big deal, man. Um, it's logistics. And the best path to generational wealth uh, two things, uh, uh, business ownership and land ownership. Um, Jeff Bezos, he, he cracked the code and changed, changed the world with logistics. That's why Uber is such a highly valued company, right? And next up is data, period. So that's why those delivery licenses are so important and um, why uh, they're so valuable because it's logistics, efficiency, getting from point A to point B, um, being essential workers here in the cannabis industry, 
delivery is king, man. Like right now, that's where all those sales are coming from. So if you lift the cap off of how many licenses one entity can have, all it takes is one shell company. All it takes is, doesn't even have to be a shell company at this moment. All it takes is like one person in, in one brick and mortar location, uh, one dispatch zone, getting a call from a large, I won't say any names, I won't get sued, <laughs> getting, a, getting a, a call from a, a very large cannabis company saying, hey, how about I give you $20 million and we buy up all of these licenses. They can do that right now. And what that company is essentially, they are becoming a shell company for these large entities once uh, cannabis becomes um, not federally legal. Google, Uber, um, Amazon, like, those are the easy ones. Like, who knows like, what bigger data companies are going to come out of the woodworks and just buy them up. And what, what that means to me is that not only did you pull the rug up of all these people who are already hurting because they've been paying uh, for storage, they've been paying for their locations for two years and 11 months now, um, and they don't have operating licenses, uh, just bamboozling people. But uh, on top of that, um, it's just beginning to look like 40 acres and a mule all over again, man. And, and it's really, my heart goes out to that entire community. Um, and that's exactly why we're doing what we're doing. Uh, so we can bring light to a lot of these issues that aren't reaching the mainstream. Um, but even on top of that, I, from the beginning, I've been one to unite people over common interests um, that data drives me to. And that's exactly what I was doing with Can Together, man. Um, getting social equity applicants in the same room, getting them to shake hands with these C-suite executives who have multi-million up to billion dollar companies. And because not all of them, some of them are, but uh, not all of them are evil, uh, these C-suite executives. Not all of them are. They just don't have people who look like me and you. They don't have women. They don't have uh, uh, the queer community. They don't have Native Americans in their boardrooms. And um, that was my way of bringing those worlds together. And I can proudly say uh, last year with Canada Gather LA, we had 21 folks got funding and six of them were social equity applicants. And I'm not a broker. Um, uh, I'm not in finance anymore. And, and this is just, I know people on both ends of that, me being from the corporate world originally and then being in corporate cannabis and then leaving corporate cannabis um, while on the side when I was at corporate cannabis, I was still doing my activist thing. Um, and, and now I'm just like straight in the streets, man. Like, I love it. It, 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 it it's very stressful. Um, it, it's a lot of pressure. Pressure makes diamonds. Um, and uh, I'm trying to shine with my whole team, man. That's, that's it. Like, it's not fun to be on, on a mountaintop alone. I'd rather be on a plateau with the whole crew, man. Right. Now I feel you, man. That's, that's definitely what it's all about. Businesses is so much more fun when you get to do it with your friends and do it with people you like. Indeed. Um, and just to talk about California a little bit more, you know, um, California is still the country's like largest and most influential cannabis market. So everything mm -hmm. else that, I mean, we typically are following California, right? The stuff out here on the East Coast that we get is definitely um, behind, you know, what you guys have going on. So what would you say are like currently some of the trends that you see in the industry out there? Like, you know, what's what's most popular? Like, you know, where's it? Where's the industry kind of going in California? Um, so we're actually uh, addressing that with uh, Cannavision. Um, it's not going where everybody thinks that it's going. Um, 
the reason why the hub for Canavision is Los Angeles is because of what you just said. Um, everybody is following California. I am of the, not just the mindset, like everything in my soul and my entirety is telling me to tell people like, yo, look at us for what not to do. Straight up. Like, I, I think California is, is the microcosm of what's going to happen on the rest of the nation. Um, and you just got to know that there's a different terrain all over this country when it comes to social equity, when it comes to products, uh, when it comes to uh, the supply chain, all of that, um, where flour is huge, man. And it's going to be even bigger because of the fires out here. And everything's on fire here. Uh, he saw me driving to my uh, studio out in Los Alamitos, which is right between Long Beach and Orange County. Like, you're like, what the hell is going on down there? Like every, the whole state's on fire. And the reason why is because they're no longer getting slave labor from prisoners. These, these, these prisoners that are on COVID-19 uh, house arrest right now, they were making like $3 a day to fight all these forest fires for like the last 20 years. Wow, I never knew that. <laughs> this is the kind of stuff I'm talking about, man. And, and, and so what that means is there's no outdoor harvest this year, bro. <laughs> like all of it, none of that's going to test. Well, yeah. so you can ask. Sky's red in all the pictures I see, like people from California posting. It's crazy. Bro, it's, it's, it's about to be really, really ugly. And um, so this is, me, this is where I get all juiced up because there's like new information that comes into me. And before uh, my, my, my business partner, Fred, came along, I didn't really know how to like handle all of this information like, coming at me from left and right. People asking me because I was a plug before. I'm probably going to lose out on a little bit of money, but I can keep on going, bring enough in where it doesn't really matter. But now I'm like, yo, this coming from over here, this coming from over here. I got to channel it. And um, all of this information started coming in from me, man. And I'm, I'm hearing that certain product is going from California. So number one. Rewind about eight months or so, and you're going to see the cannabis landscape on Instagram for California. Totally different. You see a lot of trappers on it, a lot of brands you've never heard of because they're not licensed. <laughs> and uh, and a lot of those a lot of those guys, for better or worse, like I got love for the trap. I got love for like everybody on the underground. Why are you trapping on Instagram, man? Instagram's owned by Facebook, and it's the biggest snitch on earth. <laughs> <on Earth. laughs> right? So there's a lot of cats that are doing that. They got scooped up, period. The smart ones, there's a lot of product being moved out of state. Just like that. And, uh, and that's smart money. And I don't mean it's, it's, the, it's the right thing to do. There's a difference between smart and morally sound uh, um, or uh, legal. But going out of state, California products going through the roof in other states. And um, there's been a huge crackdown on everything here, legal and illegal. And uh, a lot of stuff is happening that nobody knows about because there's no rallies, there's no um, city hall meetings. And um, when Fred joined our team, my COO, my partner, he joined our team, uh, we had a huge tip about the BCR thing, right? About the, uh, the licenses. And they have a Zoom that they do from city hall and when we're doing these in person, these city hall meetings, 300 plus people, um, the public uh, testimonials would be like 
couple hours long. And they literally put out, they like, okay, we have a meeting on Thursday. They put this out like almost midnight on Tuesday via email. And you know, these people out here scratching for every dollar they can get. Like a lot of people didn't even know that that meeting was going to even occur. The Zoom was crappy. Uh, I got kicked off of the Zoom like, like three times. They didn't even have a video for the Zoom when the, the public comment section was on. Um, it was just a mess for the first part, but as soon as they got off of the public statements, everything worked perfectly. <laughs> wow. So b- before I cast any stones, I just asked questions. Like period, I asked questions like, so what exactly happened here? What is your motive? And that's the kind of stuff that I do. Um, I don't assume anything. And I blame like say, three people for my pragmatism there. Uh, like Fred, my partner, because he's an incredible like, human being. You have like a whole digital like, like story on him alone and what he's done. Um, but then Mila Diamond, uh, my life coach. And yes, I have a life coach. No, I'm not a, a middle-aged white man. <laughs> and, and, um, and my wife. You know, just keeping me grounded and uh, just allowing me to, uh, I was really, really, really pissed off um, uh, when George Floyd happened and my little girl here, newborn, and I couldn't be out on the streets like protesting. Um, but my nucleus, uh, those three people, they're like, yo, like control the controllable, take care of your, your nucleus, what's at home and um, take a step back and look at the big picture. And that's, that's exactly the mantra, that's the, that's the philosophy behind Canavision, um, we're controlling the controllable, uh, making sure we rally with the community, um, but we're aware of the big situations that we may or may not have control over, right? And um, I've been hit with a lot of stuff like during this pandemic, and I think the best thing for me to do rather than take sides uh, with people is give them a microphone. and. And that was the one thing that I said um, uh, on Canada Gather Digital after George Floyd happened. Man, I, I was I, I was fucked up, man. I was I, I was I was torn up inside out. And um, three people, I have a lot of white friends. Three of them reached out and said something. Like in like a week and a half, and um, Mila, my life coach, she reached out and she was like. Rico, the community needs you. You haven't said anything about, you know, the George Floyd thing. The community's reeling. Um, you have to say something. And I'm like, ugh. like, I try so hard not to be emotional. I try so hard to, you know, toe the line. And that was the first time I cracked, man. I just let everybody know, man. Uh, we've been screaming about this shit for hundreds of years now. Um, it's always an excuse. Oh, yeah, you never should have ran away. Oh yeah, he never should have been playing in his pocket. Oh yeah, this, that. It's always an excuse. Um, if my um, uh, melanin deficient friends on the other side of, uh, of the screen, if they really want to help right now, because that's what I kept on getting these questions, like how can I help, how can I help? I'm like we've been talking about this for years and y'all ain't never helped. Like now just because somebody got lynched publicly, you're going to, all of a sudden catch a conscience. I'm from the South, man, I don't believe that. <laughs> I don't believe that. So if you mean it, there's two things you can do. 
money or the microphone. Give us access to build our own shit because we've tried playing your way and it's just not happening. Or give us access to your platforms. And that's it. Like, like I, I don't really, sympathy is, is, is fleeting and sympathy is, not only is it subjective, it's you're relying on the person that is giving you that sympathy. You have to believe them, right? Like, I just don't. Like, I, I've seen too much in this lifetime. I, I've known too many people very uh, of diverse backgrounds um, to know that I believe what, what is done, not, is, not what is said. And um, I think those are two most powerful things that you can give somebody access to is money to do better so they have access and they can actually build their own shit or the microphone man give me that megaphone like give me that platform so i can actually tell you what's going on um because i don't want you i don't want to play a game of telephone where you're telling people uh, half of what i told you let me tell my story let me tell my people's story let my people tell their story um and let me tell you how it is and if you choose to believe me, awesome. If you don't, I never thought you would in the first place. You show me that you don't. So I just really feel like we're in a pivotal, uh, extremely pivotal moment in history. And we really need to get away from these shiny objects. And we need to move towards uh, uh, economic, not just economic freedom, uh, economic, our own economic institutions. And I don't mean that as just black people. I mean that as the entire inclusive community. Like it shouldn't matter what color skin you are. Um, on paper, it doesn't, right? So if we play within the same rules, create our own damn system and make it so they have to leave their system, their racist system, they're doing whatever they're doing over there, racist, like cool, be racist over there. We over here getting it, having a good time be mad, right? Like, like, come join our system, straighten your shit up and come on over here. I would much rather like build my own system, build my own uh, institution uh, with a bunch of people who believe in the same uh, core tenets that I do, rather than wait on something that's never come in my lifetime, didn't come in my parents, my grandparents, grandparents, grandparents' lifetime. And I just don't believe it, period. Right. So back to what's going on in California, in, in, in the industry, like, like flower prices, up because of the fires um uh and people don't have to like sneak and get high <laughs> like they were before uh, um <laughs> like going to work you know um because they're at home um but also um edibles and um, I, my big prediction um the data are telling me this is um is drinkables are going to be huge man um what we really couldn't figure out before on the logistics side because storage um with the packaging for drinks that's that was the biggest roadblock with it so you have like the the, the soluble uh items um that you can mix in um but you have some people that are um, building their own plants now uh, shout out to tinley across the bridge over here in uh in long beach building their own factories so they don't have to worry about uh, uh delivery companies or um distribution centers that can't take the size of their product um and that was the biggest roadblock there. But drinkables are, are going to be huge. Like, I think they're going to eclipse everything else on the market, uh, period. So I think that's where it's going um, in California first and in the rest of the industry uh, um, next. 
uh, flour is still king, but um, edibles uh, and extracts are, are, are consistently chipping away from that. And if uh, Colorado, uh, shout out to Vince, if, if Colorado has any uh, barometer of success, like everything's gonna go um, some way or the other into the extract uh, category, but you're always going to have um, people like me that love to smoke, like you, I know you like to smoke. Yeah, too. I love flour. Uh, yeah, you're always gonna have people that love that and people that love craft flour. But um, I, I think that it's headed towards um, ingestibles. Period. Yeah, no, that makes a lot of sense, man. Um, and you know, a lot of what you talked about, one of something that you talked about in your um, and you know what you were just saying was was giving people the money and the microphone. And that made me um when you said money and microphone, it made me just think of the fact that Jay-Z's jumping into the cannabis industry. Like he just made the announcement a couple of days ago, right? Like, you know, what do you think about um what do you think about the deal, like what he's doing? And and do you think that Jay-Z coming into the industry, does that does that shift anything? We've seen where his where he's been impacting a lot of other places. Like, what do you think about it in general? I love that you're asking me this question because we both have financial backgrounds, right? A lot of people don't realize, um, a lot of people don't understand people with money that long. Uh, when you're a billionaire, right? He has a ton of uh, investments that you're never, ever, ever going to hear about. <laughs> and right. so there goes my light again. <laughs> uh, yeah, he has a ton of investments that you're never going to hear about, period. Um, and with that being said, um, he's been in Kaliva, like back when Kaliva was my client, back when I was at, at Baker Technologies, he was a Kaliva back then. Um, which makes me believe, I'm, I'm speculating right now, makes me believe that Kaliva paid him a certain amount for him, for them to be able to say that he was one of their investors, number right. one. Um, and then uh, there was a lot, there's a huge hatred towards him. Um, very similar to what mainstream America saw with the NFL deal that he made. Um, there's a lot of hatred within the cannabis community for him going with Kaliva because it's a white owned company. And like me, putting my financial hat back on, hopping in my DeLorean, going back five years, <laughs> like guys that are that big, like if they make investments in a risky industry, it's probably going to be a sure bet, right? Because you got to have like less than 5% of your portfolio is going to be high risk, mm -hmm. um, generally around like 3%. And um, he probably isn't even a huge investor in Kaliva, but even if he is um, huge to us, is not huge to a billionaire. <laughs> wow. So um, he started with them, I think it was like a year and a half, maybe over two years ago. And him jumping in on the product side, um, I'd be interested to see what's behind it. And then that's it. I'm, I'm a whole judgment. Um, I consult with a lot of um, celebrities, pro athletes, and um, if it's just a strain, I always try to talk that conversation through uh, with those clients before I try to talk them off that ledge because I'm like, your brand is not Wiz Khalifa. They have a, a lot, a lot of hip art artists. I won't say any names, like some of my clients. Um, uh, they have like this competitive edge. I love that about them. That's why um, um, athletes really vibe with rappers, and uh, they come in. Oh, I want to have my strain. I have this strain. First of all, they always say strand. I'm like, yo, it's strand. <laughs> <laughs> but they always come in and, and they want to compete with game. They want to compete with Wiz. They want to compete with Burner. I'm like, they're, they are Burner, Wiz, uh, game. 
they are stoner culture, right? Uh, they're part of the culture. They 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 do stoner rap. Um, uh, with I mean, um, game to a little lesser extent, but he still does like, like California, like, like weed smoking rap. Um, you're coming from New York, so uh, and, and you have like complex bars, which I love. I'm an East Coaster myself. Uh, complex bars, like rhyme schemes and all that stuff. Like, why don't we do something that's educational and and, and do something more complex? That's what needs to be done. That's actually what I'm doing right now. Um, I have a couple of uh, clients. One of them I already talked about in my Forbes article. You, you have Forbes alum too. Dig it. Um, yeah, in the, in the Forbes article, um, um, AZ uh, out of um, out of New York. Um, first thing he said, I want to strain. I was like, I was like, yo, like, tell me, let's talk about that. Why? What are your motivations behind that? And, he, and so we got him on the the CBD. Um, talk about his educational journey into CBD. And to relay that information to a lot of people on the East Coast, a lot of people in emerging markets that don't have that knowledge that we have been privileged to have over 20 years here, quasi-legalization. And um, uh, so with, with, with Jay-Z and what, what he's doing with his brand, um, I love the branding, but I don't have enough information to say like, yo, is this a good move or not? Um, and he's a very, very smart businessman. So I'm pretty sure there's a lot behind that that we have no idea what's going to happen next so i'm excited for it and i'm really excited because he's such a major he's a mountain mover man um and uh we can have a whole nother episode like nas versus jay-z like big big versus Pac. um but when those are my two favorites like broke my heart when they started going against each other nas and, and jay-z and um the reason why I love Jay more than Nas, right? Because I, I thought Nas was more like Pac and I thought Jay was more like Big. Um, Jay does so much philanthropy, so much stuff behind the scenes, but he knows that's not his public brand. He doesn't have to put that in his songs to actually do that work. And that's what a lot of people like lose sight of. Um, people of that stature, people that have money that long, they're doing a lot of stuff in the Black community. They're doing a lot of stuff with black brands i'm sure jay-z in his portfolio has a diversified uh cannabis portfolio and all that you're seeing is, is what he's doing with Paliva, and um i think it's smart so I'm, I'm gonna leave it at that i think it's smart uh, i'm excited to see what comes next of uh him and in the brand over there and we'll just have to wait and see i i, I want to be speculative on it but I just I just know too much uh, when it comes to um, a cat's coming in the game, and he has been very calculated. He's been in for a while. He just hasn't said it. Absolutely, yeah, man. Like you said, I'm not a businessman. I'm a businessman. <laughs> like you said, he's like he's been there for a while. Like it was over a year ago, and they announced he was going to be like the head of brand strategy. And, and like you said, he's done this before. Like he came into Budweiser, you know, has done the same thing. So I, like I mean, I I definitely expect that it's going to have some type of you know, huge impact on the industry overall, man. Recession-proof businesses. Yeah, man. <laughs> Sin yeah, stock, man. you know that. <laughs> that's what it's all about, man. Like you said, it, that's the, like he's smart investments, right? Oh, yeah. um, like you said we could we got a bunch of different conversations. We could go off on a tangent on if we wanted to, but I know you're busy, man. You got your big launch tomorrow, man. Yeah, big I got happy monkey coming up in a minute, man. Yes, yeah. you got a big launch. Yes, big launch, man. Big, big launch, man. So. You know, for one last thing, I do want to ask you, though, because, you know, not only have, you know, you know, have you transitioned from like corporate America to cannabis, but you've also done a lot of different things in the space. 
Um, you know, you were previously an athlete. I think a lot of different things that people connect with on a, on a lot of different levels. Like what advice do you really have for, you know, other people of color, like brothers and sisters that want to try to transition into the cannabis industry from, from wherever they are? Um, my piece of advice would be for people of color. Um, I got to go back to what, 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 what you said about people inspiring you. You said about um, um, uh, Hope Wiseman. Got to bring it back to that, man. I got to give you props for saying that. Like, I hope Wiseman, like uh, inspiring you, her coming from investment banking is um, we have intelligent, um, trying to use my words right here. Um, um, we have intelligent uh, audience facing people in the industry. Reach out, reach out, ask them about their uh, honest experiences, positive and negative. And um, I think you'll be pretty quick to come to a conclusion uh, that you should be in the industry uh, for a multitude of reasons. And um, my biggest reason um, to join the industry uh, should not have ever been reached. Like uh, the, the fact that I had a tumor and I was like, yo, like fuck this, the corporate world, I jumped at that point. I should have left three years prior to that. Um, to look at the facts that cannabis is medicine. Um, there's nothing like it on this planet. It's been around for thousands upon thousands of years. Look at all these ancient tombs, um, sarcophagi, and they all have their stash. <laughs> they buried with their stash, right? <laughs> I die, bury me with the stash. <laughs> <laughs> you got, yeah, you got to do a Todd Diddy like that. <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you like doing planks or you doing like, like some leg ups. <laughs> <laughs> right. Uh, yeah. Uh, and um, I think you'll you just come to grips with it and the data don't lie. Um, Fred, I keep on referencing Fred because he's my he's my guy and he's like my guiding light too. Um, uh, date or bring the data, not the drama. Like, take a step outside of the theatrics, the um, uh, emotion, um, what your community is 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 telling you, what your um, uh, institutions that you've been brought up on, and think about yourself, uh, what your own thoughts are, your own inclinations and look at the data. Uh, the data is pointing to an agricultural revolution. Uh, we are at the, the edge, the cusp of an agriculturally based economy. And um, the Exxon, uh, not Exxon, it was um, uh, yeah, mobile oil, like last month was delisted. Mm. <laughs> the world has changed. Yeah, yes. <laughs> the world has changed. This is what I'm saying, man. We're all focused on these shiny objects. like. Look at what's going on in, in the world. The world is changing around us. And everything that is around us can be built by hemp. Mm -hmm. that's, and, that's true. That's true. Right. right. We're, we're so worried here about Donald Trump's racism, his racist tweets, which are an issue. Don't get me wrong. But we're worried about that. And it's blocking us from getting to the bag. And that's why we have, we talked about this before, we have less than 5% ownership in this industry because we're worried about chasing what somebody else made money off of. Um, if everybody but African-American community capitalizes off of our swag, right? Um, why are we chasing their dollars? True story, man. 
straight up. Um, this industry, especially the hemp stuff, man, like, like people need to do their history, like learn about hemp. It wasn't just about cotton. Like after slave times, like the hemp industry was ours. Like, and everything around us can be built by hemp, hempcrete, um, hemp plastics, on and on and on. And um, the rest of the world, uh, not just here in America, here in America and Amsterdam, pretty much, that's where cannabis culture is. Uh, uh, the rest of the world, they're moving forward with medical and they're moving forward with industrial hemp. So if you're stuck on that old world stuff and you see Rome crumbling around you, like it's time to, it's time for you to hop on that lifeboat early and, and get on this thing before it takes off because hockey stick, <laughs> that's where we're at right now, man. And it, right. Am I right? Like, yeah, that's it. Like they, like they, like they always say in the investment world to, I mean, to take, give another financial reference, right? Don't go where the puck is, go where it's going. Right. You gotta, you gotta yeah. think down the line for real. So yes, the shoot a duck. I always say shoot a duck, learn how to shoot a duck. Some country. <laughs> learn yeah. how to shoot a duck, man. You shoot, shoot in front of that thing. <laughs> yeah. You aim to where it's going to be. And, um, and we have enough technology right now that tells us this is where it's going whether it's on the technical side, whether it's on the fundamental side. Um, I'm talking these financial terms because you know that's to the core of me. And, 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 and I don't regret being in finance because it's given me the, um, the, the, the knowledge to take a pragmatic stance when it comes to this opportunity. And when you look at the qualitative and the quantitative, so the qualitative being you know, the EQ side of things, the quantitative being like the numbers charts and the IQ side of things, everything's pointing green go green the green new deal should be all about cannabis <laughs> straight up absolutely man that's true man and yo rico i appreciate you coming through today um we're going to get up out of here like i said let you get back to it man but um just tell people where they can find more information about cannavision and they can find you on social media and everywhere else oh absolutely brother um you can find us at www.cannavision dot com c a n i v i s i o n can i vision and you can find our, our social media is at can dot i dot vision um and um, myself you can always follow me in my my crazy adventures at uh, uh either at my website uh www dot com um, you can find me on social media at rico lamit i'm me i don't need to be nobody else <laughs> yeah well i appreciate you bro thanks for coming through and i'll catch up with I you soon fan Appreciate you, G. Appreciate you. And I'm glad I finally got to be on the show. You already know. You here, man. Be easy, man. <laughs>